Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Coming up, I'm going to share some thoughts on Mads Mikkelsen's new movie, Another Round. Rove McManus and I discuss the crazy fallout from episode 5 of WandaVision, and then ABC journalist and comedian Angela Fapierre drops by for a chat that covers everything from enjoying Yacht Rock to placing curses in the freezer. My name is Justin Hamilton, and welcome to the latest Big Squid. on a Tuesday night and to give you an idea of what happened since our last podcast uh, I told you we were going to begin our series on the leftovers but I had my equipment die halfway through my first interview with Ange on Thursday which is really frustrating as I'd never actually had this happen before it was one of those moments where I'm always kind of keeping an eye on the equipment and then uh, you know, you're always looking to your left and then you're seeing the lights on, you're seeing that the little lines are going up and down, etc. And I looked down and it was not on. And that was weird because it's plugged in. It's not like it's battery operated. And then I'm thinking, has there been a power failure? I was so confused by it. So I took the disc out and then I checked that and there was absolutely no audio from the previous 40 minutes that we'd been chatting and (laughs) and said I think your equipment's fried and my first reaction was well how how can that be like I've only had this for nine years oh there you go that's why it's dead that good old equipment traveled all over the world and back again so I guess it wasn't too much of a shock but that meant I had to go and buy some new equipment uh, learn the little idiosyncrasies that come with any updated model. Like the first look at it and you start to think, oh my God, how am I going to work this? Uh, I had a little panic stress snack, half a packet of chips. That was good. 
little bit of chewing, got it out of the system, sat down, and it was actually fun. I don't know why I stress ate. It was a, a waste of half a packet of chips. <laughs> I could have saved them for another time when I'm stressed. Uh, also, good on Ange for making time to come back and uh, redo the podcast. And uh, that means uh, other interviews were thrown out of whack. And then I had headline gigs at the comedy store, etc. So anyway, I'll try to get that all back on track for you as soon as I can. Uh, I'm also letting you know we're getting close to setting up a Patreon and everything that will entail. So I'll, actually, I'll tell you more about that when we get closer to the date. FYI, it won't be to the detriment of this podcast. It will just be some extra stuff that hopefully you'll be interested in signing up for. Let's get to the first topic for this episode, which is Mads Mikkelsen in the movie Another Round. Normally, I would play you uh, the trailer, but it is a foreign movie in Danish, and I honestly don't know how many Danish listeners I have. Please write to me at our Facebook page and uh, let me know if if you are indeed one of these people. So, uh, but otherwise, I figured well, <laughs> it's not really going to make much sense. But I'll actually post the uh, trailer at the uh, Facebook page, and then you can uh, check it out for yourself. But anyway, I've made it a bit of a mission to see more lower-profile films this year, and I'm so glad I have made that a priority because if not, I, I may have missed this film. And I loved it. Mickelson plays Martin, a middle-aged teacher who lives a steady life. His best friends reflect Martin's life too with their stable teaching jobs, their stable home lives, their stable families. But unfortunately, this stability has led to a staleness to their lives where unspoken frictions haunt their homes and their, and their students are bored and completely unchallenged by the way that they conduct their classes. One night, the four friends are out celebrating a birthday when they begin to discuss the work of Finn Skarderud, a psychiatrist who proposed that the human body is naturally 0.05% deficit in alcohol and therefore could their lives improve if they made up the difference. Soon the four men agree to test this theory. They immediately draw up a plan that includes a record of the experiment, rules and guidelines are placed in order, chief of which is that this is a day drinking exercise. No drinking after 8pm and none on the weekends. All they want to do is see if they improve their work days by being mildly intoxicated. And as the first results come in, such as Martin suddenly more engaged with his curriculum and his approach to teaching suddenly gets a little pizzazz to it, this feels like a smart move. But in time, this scientific experiment reveals the personal pain each man is feeling. Once the experiment begins, they also have to see it through to the conclusion. In lesser hands, this movie would have devolved into a morality tale or worse, I guess, maybe lent into too far into farce or lent too far into tragedy. But director Thomas Vinterberg dodges all of these pitfalls and delivers a movie that is life-affirming and vibrant. It is about friendship. And it's also about the discontentment that buzzes in the back of most adults' lives. It shows us the actions that grown-ups will often make, even when they have little understanding of what motivates them to get to this position. And the movie also doesn't pass judgment while doing so. 
It is full of laughs and melancholy, with an ending that is truly one of the most joyous scenes I've experienced at the movie theatre in years. Maybe even more than joy. There's there's something going on with it, and I, I still don't know exactly how I feel. It is joyful, but it is also sad, and it's also brilliant, and I don't know what it hints at beyond the lives of those characters uh, once the movie finishes. But it's brilliant. I can I can definitely say that. The cast is fantastic, but this is Mickelson's film. He's always great, but this might be my favourite performance of his, as his strong, chiselled face reflects the inarticulate emotions of a person who failed to realise he was lost until it is almost too late to find his way home. I saw this movie by myself and usually have no issue with going to the movies alone, but when the lights came up, I longed for a friend to discuss this film with and perhaps to do so over a glass of wine until the bartender called Last Drinks. Another Round is a beautiful film and definitely worthwhile seeing. Maybe uh, take a trip to the cinema if you're feeling brave. I think you'll appreciate seeing it on the big screen. Another great episode of WandaVision with episode 5 on a very special episode. Great title. They've all been great titles. That's another great one. And we're beginning to see the story play out in new and exciting ways, quite grand ways, actually. We are definitely seeing a power upgrade in Wanda as it appears she can now rewrite reality. And we also see her motivation to find the vision. And uh, it's revealed that Sword took his body and looked like they were attempting to find out what made him tick and possibly turn him into a weapon. So if that's motivation for Wanda, I think that's really interesting. Kind of takes it out of that cliched, powerful woman gets too powerful and loses control angle that uh, I don't think it's actually going down that road, but I could, uh, I'd be disappointed if it did actually. Uh, There's two nice nods to the X-Men movies with the obvious being her brother Pietro being played by Evan Peters and not by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Like (laughs) it was so good. And uh, the other being the moment she uses her heck powers uh, to turn the guns on the director of sword, which is a nice nod to Magneto in the original X-Men movie. I'm enjoying that. They're calling him hex powers as well. I've always, I've always loved Scarlet Witch. Uh, She's always been such a great character. And uh, that's just one of those little things that, uh, makes a, a long-term fan happy. Uh, I don't think this means those X-Men movies will be a part of the MCU. Uh, I, I think maybe what it means is if, if we're going to explore the multiverse, we can now surmise that those stories took place, but they took place somewhere else. So maybe, maybe, we, could, <laughs> maybe we could call it the FU, the Fox Universe. Or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how Disney would feel about having the FU universe. <laughs> FU uh, would do well for fucked up because <laughs> there's so many, like, almost good X Men movies. Don't you think? Like, there's sort of. Like, there's Logan. <laughs> And there's there's good bits in lots of the other films. I feel like X Men 2 gets really close and just kind of fumbles it at the at the end. Anyway, that's a 
that's a podcast for another time. I'm loving that WandaVision is kicking off Phase 4 for Marvel. I know it wasn't intended to, but I think this has worked out perfectly. I'm I'm loving the the Monica Darcy and Wu interaction, and I love the sitcom storylines inside the bubble. I love watching uh, our two main actors bounce off each other. Uh, Catherine Hahn is just pitch perfect. I'm also loving the week to week. You know, I've already mentioned that, uh, but I just love thinking about what's going to happen next and then sitting back to be proven more often than not completely off base. And when that door opened, I thought it was going to be Doctor Strange for a second and then literally clapped when Evan Peters turned up. I also live alone, so enjoyed that weird image of me clapping alone. I'm 48. <laughs> anyway, I've been talking to Rove each week about uh, WandaVision, and uh, especially as each episode became crazier, and then we were like, why don't we just record our conversation? So we figured we'll do that, and we'll do that for the remainder of these episodes, and heck, we might even do it for the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Um that trailer was pretty cool too. Anyway, let's not get ahead of ourselves and let's bring in Rove McManus. It's always exciting when you get to just send a text message to someone that has nothing else on it except WandaVision at five question mark. And that's all you got in Perth. And that's all I needed. I had just come clear of there was a five day lockdown where we are. And we had cleared that by a couple of hours. And the first thing we did was had people over for wine. So I <laughs> so, uh, hadn't got to it as yet. But, uh, man, I'm glad that it, you followed it up with uh, by telling me to stay off the internet, which I have been doing when it comes to WandaVision. Um, very early on, it seemed people had either going to go two ways. People are going to go, well, I, I don't get what this is and I'm out. Or they're like, I'm all in, and so I'm going to do all of the spoilers and all of the homework and then spoil all of the homework for you. So I have just been happily enjoying it myself with a wife who kind of half understands what's going on. So I'm very pleased to have you to bounce. Oh, yeah, this is great. And also, there's also the people on social media who think they're being clever, but they're actually being really obvious. So it's like, you'll never guess whose brother turns up in WandaVision, and you go... Pietro. Yes. It's fucking Pietro. <laughs> yes. So should we jump straight into that? Yeah, well... And what it means? Well, I was going to leave that till last, because that feels like the juiciest. So do, do you want to speak Pietro first? No, I'm running on the spot. I'm running on the spot, uh, a la Quicksilver. So let's uh, let's let's go through your your uh, questions. I'm sure you have, you, you have uh, an order to go to. I have an order, because I felt like Pietro was the juiciest, and we'll finish on that. So... Uh, the, uh, now I know how Ben feels every time he's talking to you about something. You've got a plan in mind and he wants to just talk 100 <laughs> miles an hour. He's very frustrated. He leaves uh, totally exhausted every time. Uh, so the opening credits ushered in uh, an 80s kind of opening that was like a cross between Growing Pains and Full House and Family Ties. Yes. And just to get things rolling, what was more disturbing, Baby Vision or Vision Dressed as a Turkey? <laughs> Baby vision shots were priceless. They were so beautifully done. And I can't help but think they did ask Paul Bettany for, for photos of him as a baby. <laughs> yeah. And then they just put all the vision stuff on there. <laughs> so that was so wonderfully done. Like straight from the get-go, the, the sketch 
of, of the family portrait ripped straight from the uh, growing pains. Um, uh, I know the family, family ties that one, sorry. Uh, straight from that opening credits, just even as a TV junkie, I just really thought that was great. Some of them have been a bit more subtle. Um, and I also loved how that led to this episode, um, as much as it broke with some of the traditions straight away where that fourth wall came down very quickly. Yeah. Um, the fact that it, it wasn't playing straight into this, it, it, you just assume all the, all the sitcom uh, lightness of touch that's been there with every other episode would be the same. But they very, very cleverly went with those sitcoms that do have the, in quotation marks, a very special episode where they would touch upon, I remember there was one where Michael J. Fox's character was uh, taking drugs to stay awake. Yes. And they would tackle issues like that. So that we could have the seriousness of what happened to poor Sparky the dog, and it all made sense within what these shows are, not just when an episode of WandaVision breaks down and something extremely serious happens as the as the the walls crumble. Yeah, it's fascinating the balance that they've gotten where you laugh out loud at like baby vision, but then then it gets really creepy and it becomes really awful like when the vision uh gets his workmate and clears his mind and that guy is panicking and then puts him back and he goes straight back into the sitcom like an underrated bit of acting from that fella i thought i mean that's the stuff that you haven't looked at like all these characters like when the other neighbor in previous episodes was cutting through the wall missing the hedge and going straight through the wall as well and he's like you know keeping up he's just got this unhinged look in his eyes everything's fine everything's fine like a like a prisoner of war um and then you find out yeah these are real real people outside uh, westview and the, you know the the swords that people have all cast who who everybody is uh makes you realize yeah they're all trapped in there and you forget all these what you would consider to be background players, almost glorified extras, would have had to do some really impressive auditions to show you. At some point, we're going to need you to go straight from I'm in mental anguish to I'm perfectly fine and laughing in a in a playful sitcom. Yeah. It's not easy to do. Yeah, you're going from two-dimensional characterization to something that's borderline david lynch twin peaks and then straight back into it and it's it's hard and it's impressive which is great like Catherine hahn's done a great job of that too which is not surprising you know how good she is but you know you don't realize in episode one how much her character has to do and still to be revealed what that means i am just all over the fact she keeps mentioning her husband ralph and we've never seen ralph yet and whether we ever whether we ever do because sometimes that like what is a sitcom trope like aging kids really quickly or as we'll get to later recasting yeah. <laughs> main characters which of those are sitcom tropes and which of those are part of this west view that perhaps wander or someone else has created i think it's a good time to talk about Catherine hart as agnes she's been like the stealth mvp uh, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany have been amazing. Uh, Tayona Paris. Elizabeth's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so good. It made me laugh very hard in those opening minutes was Catherine Hahn going, should I should I do that again? Because he, he's meant to say that it's okay for me to take the baby. So do you want me to just go all the way back to the start? Like just 
like that was as dark as that was so funny so so funny yeah she's been uh amazing and uh in the latest episode uh th- there were tigers referenced all the way through the episode like mm-hmm. so the picture of the vision with the kids is on uh on a throne that has like tiger imprints on it and there was a little tiger on the table and yep. she uh, refers to herself as a tiger at one point ah. and you you know stuff about animals and I, this is what do you think that symbolizes well i hadn't i hadn't noticed all i noticed the the toy tiger because it was quite dis- distractingly front and center to the point where i went is that a weird centerpiece on the table until it got packed up and i realized okay that's been there for a reason um the only thing i can think of now that you mentioned it, i hadn't sort of noticed all the others there is a poem about um, Tiger Tiger Burning Bright in the Forest oh, of the Night. Yes. Um, William Blake, isn't it? Yeah. So whether there's a, a, a reference to that that has one of the most annoying rhymes in all of uh, English literature history. Fearful symmetry. Symmetry? <laughs> Not symmetry. Symmetry? Come on, mate. Come on. <laughs> and you don't even spell tiger correctly. It's got a Y in there. So again, with all of these things, how much of it is there in plain sight and how much of it is if you want to go hunting, there's something to find. Um, Otherwise, it's just, you know, they're incredibly endangered. There's that. (laughs) There's that, yeah. Well, there's uh, a theory that, uh, and I've been wondering, in the the comic books, uh, there's a witch called Agnes Hart. Agatha Harkness, who looks after yes. Wanda's children. And I was wondering if Catherine Hahn is playing, if Agnes is Agatha. Yeah, that that's one of those ones that's, um, that's come up. I know that there's uh, a lot of theorising around the newspapers. When Vision's reading one of the newspapers or another character, there's a major, like a big splashy headline that when they yeah. fold it over in one episode, you could see the letters H-O-M when it folded over and... Yeah, you know, could, could be a reference to that the House of M series, where which is very much based around Wanda creating a, a fake world, which I think we might discuss in a little bit anyway. So, how much of that is, you know, you're looking if you're looking for, you know, if you just buy a red car, suddenly you see red cars everywhere. Like, how much of is this is if you're looking for stuff to find, it's all there. But then, how much of it is really relevant or not? Who knows? So. It sort of feels like if that was the case, they'd be a bit more direct with with what her name is, perhaps. Um, I sort of feel like anything that's that we're meant to find, it's it's there for you to find, as opposed to well, it kind of sounds like her name or not. So I'm not so sure on that one, but I do think there's more to Agnes and potentially Ralph than we know just yet. I'm loving her, and every time she turns up, she's fantastic. Uh, the the note I had for Tigers. Uh, if if she's Agatha, they're protective of their cubs, aren't they? Are they notorious yes. for that? Yeah. So I was wondering if she's being protective. Is she there to protect the kids? Yeah, I like that. Um, there's also, you know, the, um, there's a lot of um, symbolism around tigers um, in a lot of uh, folklore, you know, uh, Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book in particular. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so it could, it could be something that's, that's there now. I need to go look up a bit more on that now. You've got me hunting again. I've been hunting other things. Now I want to hunt that. Tiger, right? <laughs> I think 
you're welcome. I'm not sure depending <laughs> on how busy you are. Uh, the I like the new advert for Lagos Wipes, which allows anyone to clean up any accidental mess. Uh, this feels like it's a reference to the Lagos incident in Captain America Civil War when yes. Wanda accidentally killed innocent people while attempting to stop uh, Crossbones. Uh, there seems to be a lot of guilt and grief pushing this story along, but do, do you buy into that this is Wanda creating this, or do you think she's possibly being manipulated? I feel she's possibly being manipulated. I do. I think it's a, you know, she maybe is the one who is creating this world, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's her idea or her doing. Yeah. Um, I think there's a higher power or, a, a, a you know, in her grief, like who hasn't had a, a major loss in your life or a major impacting incident in your life that if you could go back and, and make a deal with anybody to have to, to change that, that old uh, idea of, you know, don't take them, take me, uh, yeah. that type of thing. Um initially I was a bit unsure as to whether the vision we were seeing was him or her. Maybe she was just trapping herself in this bubble with this idea of he is still around, but it seems, I mean, we got that flash of him a few episodes back where you could quite clearly see uh, it's just the the dead version of him underneath. And now we know she has physically taken his body and, and it's with her. So, uh, yeah, it does feel that there's, and anytime someone brings up, uh, the, you know, like, oh, the, the death of your brother, perhaps it gets you cast out of, of Westview, of this beautiful, supposedly pristine world that I love each and every week is, is crumbling more and more. Um, so it's just, uh, I don't doubt that it's her doing. It's just, is it her, was it her, that motivated it to begin with or not. And if not, then then who? I'm into the idea that it's uh, Mephisto. It'd be kind of fun to bring the Marvel uh, devil into the series. Uh, but I guess it could also could be Dormammu because once the Time Stone is uh, destroyed, that wasn't that the thing that was keeping him and Doctor Strange in that, that was keeping him out of our universe? So it could be Dormammu. Yeah, and knowing that that's that's the next movie is Doctor Strange, but also I think isn't there isn't there a version where I think it was in the House of M maybe where Quicksilver was also responsible for convincing Wanda to create this world where she could have everything she wanted. Um, so even now that we've seen him at the end of the episode, that doesn't guarantee that it's actually him because obviously we've seen two different actors play the role and despite the fact that, that Marvel have reclaimed all of their IP from, from Fox, uh, doesn't mean that, uh, you know, they could have a choice of either actor or, or anyone else. So it's, uh, it's a really great way of just throwing a bone out there for fans to just fight over and gnaw on. Whether it's whether it's oh god we're, we're just it's just also a great shot to go if we choose to we can bring X Men in we'll bring Deadpool in you might see Wolverine um, also knowing you know uh, House of M was also a lot of that was um, I think Charles Xavier was the man behind that if I remember correctly it's been a while since I read it yeah something along those lines the uh... so certainly it's just I, I certainly think somewhere 
the idea of it being Mephisto makes sense because we need a new big bad and what a better big bad for there to be. Yeah, who who tops Thanos, the literal devil. Yeah. But yeah, uh, exactly. Pietro turning up as well, what's great about it is that I, I've seen some people sort of suggest that maybe it's not Pietro and they're just using the actor, which I have to be honest, would feel like a bit of a cheat. I, I, mm. I think I want it to be Pietro and if she's plucked him from a different universe, it what it means is that they can put all of those Fox movies up on the Disney app and in some way they've just validated them without having to have them be a part of the MCU. Now, it's interesting. I haven't had a proper look yet, but you're right. Even though they've acquired all the Fox IP and, and quite clearly The Simpsons is up on Disney+, Plus. I don't think any of the X-Men, original Spider-Man, Wolverine, Fantastic Four films are up there at all, are they? Right. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think I've seen them. So what will be interesting is do we wait till the end of WandaVision when it's all revealed and then boom, all of a sudden that's when they go, oh, yeah, here they are. We've had them and we've been holding off to keep you guessing. Because if they all, if you could watch Days of Future Past, this reveal would not have been as big a wow because you would have realised, oh, yeah, they've, they've already shown that, yeah, we've got all those old movies and we are using them and we are acknowledging in our very tightly structured MCU that all that that other stuff that was out there, even though made by someone else, we own it now and we're happy to accept that that too is part of our canon in our universe. That's very exciting. Yeah, well, it could just be that's, you know, that's Universe Fox, you know, and that's what happened over there, and that's all you have to. That's all you have to do. That way, they can introduce a whole new uh, cast of X Men in the MCU, and you can have it play out. Well, I heard, I heard Patrick Stewart was asked to come back at some point as Charles Xavier, and he said, in honor of his character dying at the end of Logan, he wanted to. He said no. Um, but that's, of course, you go. Well, no surprise. At some point, they will be rebooting the x-men franchise and it'd be nice to have some of the existing phases there um but yeah the idea of it being the actual quicksilver i think i i would like to think that's where they're headed even if again it's not the vision we're seeing is quite clearly not the actual vision because he's dead and that seems to have been confirmed but that doesn't mean that you can't say, yeah, of course, it's the same actor because we're acknowledging that was the vision that lives in our universe, dead or alive. Same thing with the um, unfortunately named Evan Peters because it always makes me want to say Pete Evans. <laughs> <laughs> not Manu. <laughs> which, is, which is not great for people living in Australia. Uh, I think it's great that they're just acknowledging, yeah, we're, we're saying he, he is our Quicksilver. Whether this character is him or not certainly we acknowledge that 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 we're happy to accept him in our universe i think that's cool yeah and i've worked out uh possibly to leave you on this uh some timeline stuff which is wandavision takes place three weeks after avengers endgame and spider-man far from home is nine months after endgame so Uh. So do you remember in Endgame, the Skrulls who are pretending to be Nick Fury and Maria Hill yes. not only accept Mysterio's story about the multiverse, but Spider-Man asks, why wasn't Doctor Strange brought in to help? And, and he's told he's busy. So is this Wanda situation 
obviously not known publicly, but does, does whatever happened here weaken the multiverse? And this is what leads into Doctor Strange in his movie, The Multiverse of Madness. He's off dealing with that, and that's why he couldn't come and deal with the elemental problem of Mysterio in that Spider-Man, which is great. Because to me, I, I feel that this is a concurrent storyline. This isn't a... Because this is it isn't a movie, and this isn't just because of COVID restrictions or anything like that. This is it's sitting as a TV series on Disney Plus for a reason, and I think that reason would be yeah, this is happening. All that we're seeing, especially the stuff in the outside world, may I mean we're seeing a lot of the characters that we've already seen in previous films, like you know Thor and Ant Man are coming in as part of this outside world. So the idea that it then we realise that this timeline is happening concurrently to what happens in the next film makes sense to me as opposed to what normally happens where one film leads to the next film, leads to the next film in one big storyline. This is a little tangent, like they do with a lot of the the Star Wars films and spin-offs. It's kind of happening on the side. And, you know, these, these guys, uh, well, Kevin, Kevin Feig has it. He knows what he's doing, you know. Yeah, he's quite clearly the smartest person in the production side of movies. How do you keep it all in your head? I just don't know. It's probably something awful, like he doesn't drink and... Oh, he'd be one of those people who, like, sleeps (laughs) three hours a night and and gets by. And he's fine. And And still delightfully pleasant to deal with. Walks outside for 20 minutes, photosynthesizes, he's good to go. (laughs) And then sort of the next 12 movies and how great they're going to be. And he's very excited about it. And, you know, and that also opens up, there's all these rumours about the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man coming back for the next Spider-Man film. And we already have Well, we've seen an animated multiverse Spider-Man, so why not? I reckon that'd be tremendous. But you think about it, like, the fact that um, it's the uh, Evan Peters Quicksilver, to even just give that a nod makes sense, because you think if any way you were going to bring back Wolverine even for a cameo, you couldn't you can eventually recast Hugh Jackman. That makes sense. I think even Hugh would be very happy with that. But at some point you would think if you're going to bring that character in, it still has to be him the first time so that you would, you're not saying to, suggesting to fans that you don't acknowledge all of that. Do you think Hugh sees Evan Peters and thinks, oh, fuck, there goes Lasagna? I do, I do think right now he's set, setting the alarm. <laughs> he's currently doing squats as we speak. Um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of uh, of a, a single tear has rolled down the cheek of one H. Jackman as he just says, "Really, can I? Can we just shoot it from the neck up? Can we just? I'm on a monitor. I'm on... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can we? Can Wolverine have discovered carbs? Yes, exactly. It happened to Thor. It could happen to him. Why not? Uh, well, that's great. So uh, lots to discuss. And before you go, have you seen the uh, trailer for? The Winter Soldier and Falcon? No, I have not as yet, but we'll get straight on it. Yeah, it looks good. It's like, you mad bastards, you fucking have already sucked me into something else already. So, to be honest, I'm wrapped. I'm really, I'm really up well, for look, it. Well, I, I never was one to, yeah, I kind of, I must admit, would pick and choose initially. I hadn't quite twigged early on that every single one of these movies rolls on to the next. Um, and so, yeah, if you make me fall in love with you know, Captain America, which wasn't, he wasn't necessarily one of my favourites, even in the comic books. Um, 
the, the fact that every single one of them now I'm like I'm in I'm in it doesn't matter every single it's it's a great it's a great roller coaster ride that I'm happy to be on so um yeah I can't wait to see that that's exciting more homework that and tigers however you spell it <laughs> yeah exactly all right thanks for that mate can we do this again we need to do this again next time I'll catch it we'll well, let's just record our conversations anyway. That's what we were doing every week. So we might as well just make it part of the podcast. And let me put it on record. Uh, welcome back, Big Squid. I'm glad, I'm glad you're back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's given me some structure uh, <laughs> to my life again. And it's uh, good to be back with everyone. So, yeah, we'll do this each week. This will be fun. earlier that our next guest swung by my place last week to record a podcast for you only to have it all fall apart and end in tears my poor equipment we've been through so much together but finally gave up the ghost but luckily for me Angela Pierre had time to come back and record a new podcast that went in many unexpected directions and barely like barely repeated anything we talked about in our lost chat. Ange is a journalist and comedian who hosts the podcast The Signal for ABC. She's also won awards for her solo show Zealot, but more importantly is hilarious and super charismatic. I've only really hung out with her a few times and I think she's great. We did a gig together at the Rhino Room in Adelaide and I was just like, oh yeah, she's cool. Like she's properly cool. So I love this chat and Initially, I was going to put it out next week, as you'll hear me mention at the end of uh, my time with Ange, but I loved hanging out so much with her. I, I couldn't wait, and I've moved it forward to this episode. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Ange Lafopierre. I'm not even going to pretend for the people listening that this is take two. Listen, <laughs> you are the first person that I've ever had on a podcast where... Something has gone horribly wrong, yeah, and and we lost a whole recording, and it was, it was devastating on a couple of levels for me. Mm. A is that we've only ever met a few times, so you know it's a new friendship, mm. and you mm. kind of go, oh no, not with a new friend. Like <laughs> a, if this happened with Ben Elwood, you know he'd go, oh man, fuck, what are you gonna do? And it was like, it's a pretty good Elwood impression. Oh, thank you. Right, <laughs> I haven't tried it before. <laughs> I, I, maybe I don't need him on the podcast anymore. I'll just have two mics and uh, talk to myself. But, I'll uh, do you. You do Elwood. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but what was really good uh, and very nice was you were just totally understanding. You just looked at the situation and went, oh, well, that happens. But also it was equipment that I, I was honestly shocked. I was like, I can't, can't believe this has happened. And you said, yeah, I think it's fried. And I was like... But I've only had this nine years. It's like, not possible. Oh, no, it's nine years. Yeah, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. But we, we talked about so many wonderful things and uh, it was just disappointing to And they're to gone lose forever it. as well. You know, and yeah. they're gone. It's just they're just lost forever. Forever. But what I appreciated was you <laughs> sat down and just like, 90 seconds before I press record, he said, I've got a list and it's the stuff that we talked about. So we can we can just tick it off as we go along. Totally. It's, I do have like a really big list forming habit because at some point in the last 10 years, I just like, I just outsourced memory to paper. I was like, well, and because I'm a big uh, paper diary keeper. 
Right. I'm like, write everything down, like everything that you, not so much like in a journaly way, but like just everything that you need to remember and also everything that you did that day. Like I can open a diary from like 15 years ago and tell you what I was doing on this exact day 15 years ago. Not in like how I was feeling, but like bullet points, like 9am I was here, 12am I was here. And it's because I don't trust my brain to remember literally anything. So, right. but and this is where it comes in handy because there's no way we would have remembered this. Not all of it. Uh, the, you know, I, I'm a uh, write down in a diary person, I, but then I always discard my diaries, and then I think really, it's, yeah, I know. Once, what I mean, you're not a hoarder. That's good. Yeah, I, I think I could have the propensity to be a hoarder. Uh. I'm a, I have. Luckily, I came from no money. Uh-huh. So that means I have a collector's sensibility. Yes, yeah. my to, dad too, yeah. But to keep being able to collect things, you would have to sell things because you couldn't afford to keep buying <laughs> things. So, you know, over the years, it's like, well, I want to read that. I'm going to have to sell this. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I shudder to think what this place, like I'd have to have a two-bedroom place just for stuff, you know, one bedroom for stuff and uh if I'd kept all the things that I... Like, I wouldn't be living in an apartment. I'd be having to live in a house. Yeah. And, and there'd be something where I'd open a door and you'd scream and go, <laughs> close it! <laughs> Quick. Yeah. But with uh, I like writing down on paper and... Because uh, I like crossing off. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Here. Right. Wait, wait. It's you such... can't go anywhere. You're strapped into the headphones. Hold on. <laughs> I'll show you this insane. This is like, so this is the Daily Diary. Oh, look, I love it. Look, look yeah. at this monstrous mess of, it's not, doesn't make for great podcasting. No. But it's like, it looks like something like from a horror film. I like, was, I was l- literally, proper use of the word literally, about to say the opening credits to Seven. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, inscrutable. Um, uh, you know, I've had people try to read this before. I guess like it's a wonderful security mechanism in that it is indecipherable to other people. Um, you know, I'm keep I'm keeping track of all sorts of things here. I'm keeping track of you know my periods, my payday, when the clinic comes, how many times I've done a French lesson in a week, how many alcohol free days I've had, how many times I've been to a gym. Not to mention this rolling sort of. There's a call list. There's a list of things to listen to. Not to mention your regular scheduling. Uh, circles mean one thing, brackets mean another. There's arrows. It's uh, nuts. Uh, I'm mad for arrows. I'm mad, mad for, for an arrow. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I also do that thing where I'll put in my diary, say say I put in my diary to give you a call uh-huh. and then it, the day gets ahead of me so I'll put your name in again uh, the next day and that's fine but sometimes when you accidentally end up really busy for a couple of weeks mm. – your name may go from being written really nicely to this jagged kind of <laughs> ring. And, and then if something terrible happened to you and they came and saw my diary, I would be prime suspect number one. <laughs> yeah, sometimes um, I make the list because I can't I, – I make the list for the following day – Separate to this, there's like a there's a daily list and a weekly diary. And the daily list gets written the night before the following day. And yep. if I'm drunk and I make the list – like it does look like everything on that list I'm planning to like m- murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Groceries, murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, luckily I've never committed a crime. So 
we're all good. Like, well, you know, a bad crime. No, any crimes. Right, none whatsoever. <laughs> we are recording. Yeah. <laughs> Neither have I. No crimes whatsoever. Crimes. I'm, I'm borderline Amish. That's yeah, why yeah. No buttons in this place. I am good to go. Yuck, buttons. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, so gross. Yuck. And, Immoral. And I was devastated. Uh, we had such a good chat about Smooth FM. Yeah. And our, our love of it. Yeah. Well, I'm happy, like, literally any day of the week, I'm happy to go back there. Because I, I, I've developed, I think, being in a, um, being in radio and broadcasting and the like for, I don't know, 12, 15 years, something like that. Mm. Um, which is a funny window, isn't it? Like, you'd think you could nail it down closer than, like, a window of three years. So why, why can't you? Well, I guess because the first three years was like communi- primarily community broadcasting, but that's not fair to the good people of the community broadcasting yeah. sector to say, to sort of in, impute that that doesn't count. So yeah, let's say 15 years. Yeah, I think that's fair because you've got to start somewhere. Like yeah. it's, I don't invalidate, funnily enough, I started off in a comedy duo from 94 to 99. And then when I got into stand-up, there was a few years that I was a little bit dismissive of that yeah, because yeah, that yeah. was that and now I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you over wipe. time you look back <laughs> and you go, well, but I did that for five years and yeah. I learned a lot from that and that was really important to get to here. I think it also depends early on in your career who you're talking to. You, if you want to be like, I'm impressive because I've only been doing this six months or like talk up <laughs> how much experience you've yeah. got. Like if you think it's sort of, anyway. So this, is, this is only my third gig ever. Yeah, this is my third gig. And yeah. I'm just leaving out the information tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is my third gig tonight. Um, so anyway, 15 years in uh, journalism. Where were we? Oh, Smith oh. FM. Yeah, so because you work in radio for so long, you start to get like a little bit obsessive about the finer points of particularly stings, like yes. what they call it all in the – they call in the industry imaging. Yes. Um, which makes no sense because it's sound, but that's what they call it, imaging. And it's like the everything that you hear in between, like smooth 95.3, smooth 95.3, or um, good times and great classic hits, WSFM, like that kind yeah. of business. And, I, and you just like – I get – like driving the car with me, it, I seem insane because I – I'll get like I'll be like oh oh here comes the good sting here yeah. comes the good sting and I can't bear to hear most presenters talk there's like four presenters in the world who I can handle because I, anyone else I'm like hypercritical of and I'll like sit there in the car yelling back at the presenter um, <laughs> but because there's like this uncanny valley right between between the most amateurish in the whole world um, and the and the and the best like the best broadcasters in the whole world love the best love the very worst and anyone in between I'm like nah don't want a bar of you recently discovered apart from smooth fm which has the best stings going around yes. um uh there is a station in sutherland shire which is community radio i think it's like 99.7 and they are just the purest station on god's green earth once i listened for two days and they forgot to say what station they were <laughs> like <laughs> They just clean forgot to say. For but, two days. Yeah, for That's like two amazing. days. I mean, I wasn't listening like, you know, 24 hours a day, but I was like, I was pretty tuned in. 
and I, you know, I use my car quite a bit and, and they just didn't say. A lot of the time they wouldn't say who was talking, never say what time it was, never, like, never tell you what show you were listening to, but, like, sometimes for 10 minutes at a time just to play back-to-back ads for other shows, which were all, like, really alliterative, like, you know, Rodney's record regatza or whatever. Right. And then it'd be like, join me, Rodney, with my records for a regatza on the river at 3 o'clock on Sunday, every Sunday. It'll be a good time. Like that's that's the kind of Great. ads that you get. Like just beautiful, really pure of heart, pure as the driven snow. Community radio, and uh, yeah, my only regret is when I kind of get you know I'll 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 put up with some really bad reception just to stay locked on ninety nine point seven. Like it's like it's really liable. Like you can't hear a lot of what's going on, but I'm still there. What kind of music is it? It really varies. Once I tuned in and they were playing drum and bass, but a lot of the time it's just like old Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. And I've never heard such a diverse range of music on one radio station and that's what I like about it. It's a lottery. So it also feels like or it sounds like what you imagine radio to be when you first start, which is, I don't know about you, but when mm. I first start on radio, it's like, oh, this is great. So you get your spot, you, there'll be all this housekeeping that you have to do. And then you just play the music you want to play. And yeah. then you get there and they say, here's the playlist. And you say, what? <laughs> what? what? Why do I have to play this? I don't even know who this artist is. It's yeah. like, no, 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 this is how it works. And it was a genuine shock to me. Yeah. And and then especially, you know, at Triple J, it's like this at most radio stations. Yeah. Actually. You kind of, and I don't get me wrong, I understand where people are coming from, but you kind of can't come off the back of something and say, well, that wasn't for me. Yeah, you got to pretend to love everything. you got to be like, yeah. oh, how good was that? And I love watching or hearing uh, presenters try and pretend, be like, well, that, yep, that was a song by a band <laughs> and sort of try and muster the enthusiasm. But the good thing about good thing about this station is that they're never pretending. Smooth yeah. as well, they never uh, – I don't know if they never pretend or they've just got like this rote response to everything. It's just like – well, that was a good time and wasn't that a feel-good hit and just run yourself a bath and relax. You know, you've earned it. You've earned a break. You know, just take a load off. Just put your feet up. It's just, you know, it's all sort of yeah. designed for like the weary ears of tired mums and it's yeah. all like like dad, like dad sexy dad voice. Yeah. That's 100% the, the tone on, yeah. on Smooth FM. My last year living in Melbourne, I just kind of got into a bit of a rut. I wouldn't say... Uh, a depression but just you know you've just kind of had enough and you don't feel like going out and all of that and I got into this thing every Saturday <laughs> night where if I wasn't doing a gig I would stay home and I would watch Smooth FM on Foxtel because Cameron <laughs> Cameron Daddo <laughs> hang on sorry <laughs> this is true what? Okay. I, I would sit in and I would uh, get super high and I would have all these snacks around me and I'd I hope this isn't flirting, but I'd be wearing a dressing gown and I would turn on Cameron Dado hosting Smooth FM and he would do all of that stuff yeah, yeah, right yeah, down yeah. The, the barrel. But what I loved... And oh, he does it when he does it and he looks at you. Yeah, so, but this is, there were two camera shots. So there was one right this down the barrel. This is designed for mums to masturbate to. And for me, yeah. like, <laughs> no masturbating, but I... So he'd do one right down the barrel where he'd be doing the whole, it's Saturday night, take your shoes off. 
put your feet up, yeah. get yourself a nice glass of wine, all of that. But then the second camera shot was on an angle. So suddenly he was looking off to the side, but you're still looking straight on. And every time so you get he, to see that, that jawline. That beautiful jawline. And then so as soon as it would move to the side, I would sit there and this would make me laugh every time. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'm over here, Cameron. Cameron, <laughs> I'm over here, mate. Over here. Cameron, who are you looking at? Cameron. And then he'd look back at me. And I'd say, right, carry on. And that made me laugh heaps. And then I nearly, I, I've always wanted to write a show called Hamo Has Dado Issues. About <laughs> my love of Cameron Dado. We all have Dado issues, I think. Oh, Lord, that's fantastic. So that's, that's where my love of Smooth FM came oh, from. And then yeah. I started getting really... I knew I was watching and, and consuming too much when I started getting really firm views on what was smooth. Mm. And then, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'd suddenly, suddenly there'd be some like '90s boy bands, and I'd be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, they've really That's updated their playlist lately, and I don't really like it very much. No. Like U two is now smooth. Yes, right. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't, I don't remember approving this, and I think I might be your only, like, you know, when because that's the thing about radio, it's so personal. You're like, I'm the one you're talking to. Yeah, it's and me, so, Cameron Dado. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who are you looking at, Cameron Dado? <laughs> who do you think you're talking to? It's me and your friend. Why are you playing me this song that I don't like and get really upset? Yeah, no, I, I feel that. Do you do you uh, do you dip into yacht rock? I was just going to raise Yacht Rock actually because I fell into – I actually thought that Yacht Rock was something different to what it is because uh, I thought Yacht Rock was like Vampire Weekend and sort of like a particular brand of oh. um, indie rock from the uh, sort of early naughty uh, mid, mid-naughties, which was like, um, you know, I guess kind of like a little bit math rocky, kind of like uh, – uh, like lots of just picture like lots of tight black jeans, some yeah. falsettos, sort of like that alt pop rock crossover. Um, anyway, that's what I thought yacht rock was because I think I just imagined all those kids being rich and owning yachts, and that's anyway. That's not what it is. I was informed the other day a colleague of mine uh, at the ABC was like, no, 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 no. Yacht rock is uh, divorced uh, dad uh, with like. Four shirt buttons undone on an actual yacht and the chest hair's poking out and it's just sort of like just wafting in the breeze and he's sort of gazing out middle distance like his eyes are unfocused on the horizon. He's got a corona cracked open in one hand and he's just going, yeah, it all worked out for the best. I don't need you, Cherie. Wow. Um, like that's what – but like, but maybe not quite so much pain in the voice. I probably just like like 40% less pain than what I just did because actually it's fine. Yeah. Um, that's funny. I've, I've, never, I've never pictured it as the guy's divorced. I, I felt it could be a younger guy, like a, like, like a 70s, late 70s, early 80s yeah, yeah. guy who's – on a boat, wearing a hat, smoking menthol cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's some ladies in bikinis and the champagne's on ice and they're having a really smooth time and they're listening to yeah, 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 a yeah, lot yeah. of Doobie Brothers uh, circa Michael McDonald and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And But then if they got older, oh, that's funny, the divorce thing. I felt that maybe they were still in a really strong relationship and everyone else around them's divorced. And their and their kids have gone away, and these and, and he turned s- around and said, "Hey, Cherie, 
let's get on the boat. How about it? Yeah, yeah how about it, Cherie? And you know, Cherie's like 53 and she's wearing a bikini and Cherie has fucking kept herself tidy. Yeah, she yeah. Looks great. Cherie's, everyone's going, wow, Cherie. Yeah, and yeah. he and looks she's a, like Pilates, boys. Yeah, Pilates. Yeah, and he he's a bit disappointing. Compared to Cherie. Yeah, yeah, but you know, he's got a yacht, so Cherie's, yacht. Cherie's willing to compromise. Jeff, no. Jeff, is he? Is it Jeff? G-E-O-F-F? Jeff? No, it's Jeff with a J. J. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but in my mind, Jeff with a J. Like, see, for me, the yacht, yacht rock archetype, if you really kind of have a listen to a lot of the core yacht rock um, lyrical content, I think you'll find that Jeff has, um, has experienced some pain. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like Jeff's not Jeff's not wet behind the ears. No, no, he's Jeff's, lived a life. Yeah, Jeff's lived a life. He's rich. He's lived a rich life. He doesn't necessarily have regrets. I mean, three kids. Maybe we could have stopped at two. You know, yeah. but he's possibly estranged from a member of his family, like his dad. Maybe, maybe his dad his was an dad, alcoholic. And... Possibly his dad. Yeah, he's not like he's not had the easiest run, and that's what makes this yacht and the wind in his he- chest hair all the oh, sweeter and yeah. this beer tastes all the crisper because yeah. he this didn't come easy yeah. this is not this is not you know this is not the summer of his life no it's kind of it's like march april yeah he, and <laughs> he's know? worked for this yeah, he's worked for it yeah. yeah this yacht right he's still he's still paying off the yacht they like he's mainly paid it off there's still a couple of payments left to go on the yacht yeah. though um you know he, he, but he's got a good interest rate uh, this is this is the kind of economy in which you want to buy up, but gosh, the moorings expensive. Oh, absolutely <laughs> right. That's why he still works most weekends. That's why yeah, they've that's taken it. this weekend off. No, they take this weekend off. Cherie's insisted. Cherie's Cherie's pretty demanding. She's, it has she's, to be said. She's turned around. She said, "You know what? I'm going to skip Pilates on <laughs> Saturday, and we're going on the yacht." Like, oh, okay. And Jeff, if you welch on me again, come on, Jeff. <laughs> like I'm scared. I'm worried about you. If you. If you ever, through the ABC, if you ever interview Charlie Pickering, mm. please just throw him a curveball and just at some point say, now I've heard something very serious about you and I need to hear your firm views on Yacht Rock and then just <gasps> sit back and A, he will be delighted yes, because it will come out of left field and then just sit back and let him talk. Noted. It, it's so much fun. Because, you know, it. it does inspire for like, um, what is uh, you know a genre whose defining characteristic is um, its um, mediocrity in some senses? Like it's it's all about being you know not too tricky to listen to. No, it's not mediocrity, but like it's about being smooth and easy, right? Yeah. Um, it's like good production yeah, values. Yeah. It's, there's nothing too crunchy yeah. going on. But like for for a, a genre that defines itself um, essentially as being a chiller, mm. um, it inspires the most. Uh, in, passionate views from its uh, from adherents. Yeah. There is a uh, in in researching yacht rock after I uh, f- discovered the updated ver- uh, definition for the genre. I stumbled across a very very detailed website called Yacht or Not. Oh yeah, which um, not only ranks. Uh, all the Yacht Rock songs in the world, like, lists them. It ranks them in according to um, how Yacht Rock they are. Uh, and and there's, a, there's a scoring system and there's been a number of judges who've ranked it out of 100 and then they take an average score. Um, and I can't remember what the number one Yacht or Not song was. Oh, well, I'm, I'm looking it up. Uh, it, by the way, the thing that you left out with Yacht or, or Not... Yacht or not, not is spelt N Y A C H T. Yes, yes. Anyway, that is that's true. made me very happy. 
so I I just fucked up. I was about to say what my guess was going to be. And, but then you looked. And then I, I was so busy laughing at Nyot, I clicked, and now it's going to sound like I was full of shit. But I was about to say, it has to be Doobie Brothers, What a Fool Believes. And right there at number one is Doobie Brothers, What a Fool Believes. Yes! So I know... The man I, knows his yacht rock. Like, I know that sounds like I'm just trying to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not what it sounds no, like. No, it doesn't at all. But... And I was, and the other thing that I was going to say is it has to be like, there has to be a lot of Michael McDonald and he's in the top three. So he, so it's Kenny Loggins heart to heart. Mm. And then uh, uh, Michael McDonald, uh, I keep forgetting every time you're near. Keep, so th- th- these are songs that are laced with pain. Oh, there's, with there's, real pain. Like there's real pain. Like these, these people, like, y- you know what Yacht Rock was? It was a time when men... It was okay to emote and, yeah. and feel pain and, and share it with people with fucking good production yeah. values. Yeah, this is what I actually really enjoy about Yacht Rock is, is this weird marriage of like hyper-masculinity yeah. but also vulnerability, yeah. which is so rare when you look at like iterations of, of pure masculinity, but this defines itself so much yeah. as like a man's thing. Like nowhere in Yacht Rock is there any room for women like that. None of these songs are passing uh, the Bechdel test. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. you know, none of these songs. Um, but, uh, but, but, but it's still somehow, I don't, it doesn't offend me, it doesn't bother me. They're, they're, they're so, it's, it's a space for men to be, for men to be soft. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, and get that stuff out. And you think about some of, like, songs from the past where, you know, when you, you're young and you just hear them and you don't think about them, then you get older and then you think, oh, hang on a sec, what's going on with that song? <laughs> and it's like uh, one that has always stuck out to me is uh, Cold as Ice. Do you know that song? Uh, you're you're cold, cold as Ice. ice. Yeah. Willing to sacrifice our love. And it's this really passionate thing. And it's this... Guy saying, "Oh, mate, I love you," and like, yeah. if you like, just pay some attention. Like, I'm like, I'm getting your breakfast in bed. You're not even looking in my direction. Like, all I want is a bit of eye contact. You know, you're so cold yeah. as ice. Come on, <laughs> you know, don't sacrifice everything we've got here, Cherie. <laughs> Cherie's cold. Oh, man. It's so. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, good. Christopher Cross turns up a lot. Yeah. Uh, ride like the wind and sailing. like the, but A lot of sailing. A lot, a lot of, sailing. of sailing. What I appreciate the most about it, though, was it was, and I, I don't know if you ever think about these things, because I, I, this always amuses me. If 16-year-old me mm. came into this apartment and mm. 
looked at 48-year-old me and heard me extolling the virtues of Yacht Rock, he would be like, what? Did you have a stroke? Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> we're into Elvis Costello. We're into David Bowie. We're into They Might Be Giants. You know, we're like Faith No More. What the fuck has happened to you? And I yeah. have to say to him, no, 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 no. I still like all of that stuff, but now I just have a broader palette in what I appreciate and I appreciate this and enjoy this on a completely different level. Yeah, something weird happens, like, because I, I, you know, similarly I think I would have been, I think 16-year-old me, probably even 21-year-old me would have been shocked to know that at 31 this was, um, you know, my favourite playlist would be, at the moment it's called Dead or Dying, it's like an Australiana uh, like 80s Australiana, like a lot of like hoodoo gurus and oh, mentalers, yeah. anything. Yep. But I think what happens is if you love music and you listen to as much music as we, we, we do, it's a kind of like exposure to porn, right? Like yep. you get to a point where you're like, oh, that's not really doing it anymore. I've got to go to something like weirder or I've got to like switch track or like, you know, when your hair gets used to a sh- certain shampoo, you're like, I've got to mix it up. I'm not getting the same shine off Pantene anymore. Right. You've got to like, it's about, it's about differentiation. Like I've, I've listened to so much music in my life that now – at the age of 31, which is not the classic demo, uh, like I am hardcore into, what was it I got? Oh, really into Dire Straits. I'm just on like an 80s, like cocaine rock type thing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, um, addicted to love, like a lot of Robert Palmer. Um, I was working out the other day to like a, like, and I just let the algorithm do its work in in Spotify, like set up radio from like Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer. So all I was getting was just like these sweaty 80s, like cocaine rock songs. Oh, yeah, dude. And I was like, this is actually really great to work out to. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Blue, uh, the, the blue-eyed soul dudes in uh, big suits, you know, yeah. all the notes. Yeah. You know. But not like that kind of art rock thing, like not no. like Talking Heads no. 80s. Because like, they were, I guess they were doing a lot of rack as well. I guess it was the 80s. I guess everyone was. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like that really, like that specific, that specific kind of hyper-masculine. I'm like, this doesn't, I mean, this isn't a natural fit for me. But yeah, I guess, you know, this is the equivalent of Ooh. like getting into you know, some real, yeah, getting into some really weird porn because you've it's, watched too much. It's, it's yeah. too much. It's like, this yeah. is, I need something to float the boat, the, yeah. uh, uh, which brings it back to Yacht Rock. But the, <laughs> the, the thing is, is that it, it is well made. Like the, the production values are great. It's well oh, made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Each song only lasts three or four minutes. Like if people don't understand what worked about the 80s and what was joyful about the 80s, Phil Collins was mm. the second highest single uh, seller in the 80s behind Michael Jackson. Mm. A guy who looks like your accountant, mm. who had one of those senses of humour where he has a sense of humour, but if it doesn't line up, if yours doesn't line up with his, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And he's hitting it big like, you know, in the air tonight, which is about his yeah. wife leaving him once again, men emoting, oh, all wow. that kind of stuff, you know. And it's, Do you think it was all the come downs? Why do you think it, like the 80s was so full of men emoting? So, so you know, there's, that, there's a theory that the world oscillates between punk and hippie. And, and the way of viewing the world. Yeah, and, sure. And, you know, and once you've kind of gone through that deconstruction and pushing against things and being angry, then everything kind of evens out and, you know, everyone sort of explores love and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then everyone sort of, you know, and that's what the 80s were. The 80s were, 
in the with the threat of nuclear war yes. hanging over the world in a really palpable way suddenly you get the new romantics everyone's wearing makeup everyone's wearing glitter it's like the new glam coming yeah, out of sure. the hippie movement people are trying to be fantastic and fabulous and it's dudes you know charged up on coke back because they didn't quite realize that coke was that bad that it was like <laughs> you know it kept you awake and you got things done like really quickly for days on end <laughs> like how is this bad for you i feel like they knew after the 70s right i don't know so i it's, feel it's, like that's pleading like that's a willful ignorance being well, like oh nah because people's septums had fallen out by then oh uh, yeah well, i you mean know ask what, stevie nicks well it's funny i was uh i'm a basketball uh, fan i listened to a basketball podcast and they were talking about how coke was rampant in the nba in the late 70s early 80s yeah right rampant like because they just hadn't like worked out to test for it yet yeah and it was just it was just a thing that you did yeah and there was a like a notorious hotel at the golden state warriors and the golden state warriors were a middling team but lots of teams had trouble playing there because it was a known party hotel and people (laughs) would just you know get the players fired up kind of thing. It yeah, was just yeah. a just a different approach, you know. So I, I wonder if that's kind of what it was. Hey, on the hippie punk spectrum, mm. where do you reckon we are now? So I feel – so my guess is we're, we're, we're coming out of punk. Like I feel okay. like – I feel like yeah, – Yeah, make the case. So we've had uh, a lot of anger. We've had a lot of – uh, really over the top kind of yeah. reactions, and I know it's a cliche to point to Trump, but he is the best kind of person to point. I, I yeah, don't mean sure, sure, sure. I don't mean punk. Like I'm not comparing Trump to the Sex Pistols, but right. there, there has yeah, they been, would be offended. They would be so offended. <laughs> uh, but there's that whole. Just, Maybe we could characterize it as almost like an uh, like an aggression versus vulnerability. Yeah, like is that yeah a little bit like that, you know, and and. You know, the, the, the talk of everything was, for the last four or five years, political correctness gone mad. And if I want to, you know, call someone something, yeah, yeah. and I'm just going to do it and it's your problem. And I'm I'm pushing back against the man, even though uh, the establishment absorbed a lot of that. Well, and the last five years, I've seen a lot of the, the left and the right meeting up in terms of, I mean, that's uh, that's kind of, you know, this drain the swamp yeah. Um, what the Drain the Swamp crew have in common with, like, I mean, that's kind of what a lot of Bernie Bros were saying in a in a coded way was Drain the Swamp. Like there was, oh, yeah. there were these ideas like where anti-authoritarianism meets up, and that's where you get, you know, it's kind of a consequence of the the wealth gap and like this this you know ridiculous um, asymmetry of power yeah. as it collects in the Western world. And so, yeah, you kind of get. But both sides, as you say, like this aggression that's yeah. um, not to say it's unwarranted, but no. I'm interested in this idea because I think because this is what, uh, you, you know, you want to get through a podcast without mentioning the pandemic, but it's pretty hard. Um, I don't what, know. Or, I'm a little bit confused by people who don't like ignore it completely. I yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. But it is also if you are expressing what's going on in the world, what, it's what going are you doing on. ignoring it? Sure. So what I would say is that everyone's had an opportunity for self self-reflection and people have suffered a great deal and suffered collectively um, in the past 12 months. And I think that has, you know, if, if we're viewing it through this paradigm of your, um, you know, hippie punk uh, 
you know pendulum yeah i was thinking one of those desk balls like the tick, oh, yeah, tick, yeah. Tick, anyway <laughs> that oscillation um then you know i think perhaps the turning point is everyone going you know because suffering suffering breeds uh empathy yes and humility yes we we know that um yeah. and the world has collectively suffered uh and so i don't know maybe i certainly don't think we're kind of there yet but i'm no. i'm tantalized by the idea that that we're at a turning point so because uh because i'm an nba fan and as a as a sports entity it's quite progressive uh it was it's always been quite progressive and um it is one of those things where it's it's always most most sporting leagues follow the clubs and the nba leans into the players and because it's predominantly african-americans and you have really articulate uh players like lebron james etc going mm. out and like you know when the black lives matter uh, scenario happened they wouldn't go and play the finals until they organized every every one of their clubs uh, agreed to opening up the stadium to help with voting mm. and registering you know mm. uh people who were finding it difficult to get that done so, wow i didn't so, know that so yeah it's a uh, it's you know it's not perfect but it is progressive in that sense and what has been interesting and this kind of gave me a little bit of hope and it, it's funny it was a it was after trump got uh voted out and it was just around when biden was about to be uh inaugurated and I was listening to a podcast and there was there was a player who's a really big player who had just decided he wasn't going to play a few games. And I reckon a couple of months previous and for the previous few years, everyone would have just been ripping into him. What the fuck? He's a millionaire. Yeah, just play yeah, the yeah. game. What's your problem? Yeah. And every conversation I heard about it across a few platforms, all of the journalists were was saying... It, was it like a mental health... Thing? Did well, it, it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear. Yeah, okay. and, but every journalist gave it a bit of, you know what? I don't know what's going on in his world. Nobody knows what's going on in his life. So I'll just comment on this from a basketball point of view. And I actually found that really refreshing yeah. because it doesn't matter if it sounded a bit clunky and it sounds a bit hokey. The fact was they were taking it on board yeah. and they weren't teeing off and they were actually considering, well, he, he might have something. And we don't know what it is, so let's let's take that into account. And that says to me, well, maybe we are going to shift to, as a rejection of what we've just experienced, maybe we are about to shift to a more empathetic... Yeah, I think I feel like everyone's had a crash course in, you know, for, for all the kind of, I mean, I feel like everyone used to shit on awareness campaigns, like, oh, what's that going to do? Yeah. But there's been like this proliferation of awareness campaigns in the last decade or so. Yeah. And now everyone is like... Even my parents, like the way that they've sort of changed their understanding, you know, what the way they've kind of, I don't know, if, if it was like a, a, a graph, which there's never anything more fun than imagining a graph in a podcast. <laughs> what, what, this is great, Ange. Yeah, keep going. Let's spin um, off and have our but, own graph cast. But I think it's sort of like, it's sort of like, you know, this little, like over the, you know, the, the three decades previous, the, the kind of way that they'd gained knowledge in, in the world and a sort of awareness about all these issues that we've been discussing sort of was creeping, creeping, creeping. And then in the last 10 years, it's shot up. Mm. Um, and they're, you know, like they're in the world, like they'll, you know, consume mainstream media, the odd podcast, you know, not really much, you know, on social media a little bit in the way mm. that boomers are. 
Um, but uh, you know, they've they've kind of just absorbed. It's just osmosis almost. They've just yeah. I think probably having kids as well um, meant that they got it. But it's if, if if my parents are any kind of litmus test, I think the world has like weirdly become a lot better informed and more compassionate about a full range of subject, full range of issues in the yeah. last decade. And it is easy to be cynical about these things. It was funny. You know, uh, when we were getting a coffee downstairs before we started recording, we were talking about, uh, you know, the vegan options that you can get <laughs> at places like Domino's or Burger King or Hungry yeah. Jack's or whatever. Yeah, apparently Burger King has – I know this because my, my boyfriend's a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a crash course in, like, all the vegan things that exist now. Yeah. And, you, like – it's quite good. I've kind of yeah. been accidentally eating vegan for the last few months as a result. And it's fine. And it's fine. Yeah, like this is the best time to be vegan because people know how to cook shit. Like 20 years ago when people thought the way you cook Brussels sprouts was to put them in water for 30 <laughs> minutes, boil them until they have no flavour and then serve them up. <laughs> tough time to be a vegan. Very tough time to be a vegan. Although it hasn't reached all corners of the world yet because when I take uh, my boyfriend home to see mum and dad, um, they they adore him, yeah. but mum freaks out a bit. And I've I've been like, look, he doesn't like to make a fuss, and he's not like, you know, he's not, you know, don't make a big deal out of it or whatever. And so she'll sit down and she'll put food in front of everyone, and then she'll put something down in front of Jack, and she'll go, and there you go, Jack. There's your special food. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh mum. And it's just like I'll be like, mum, you're doing it again. She'll be like, sorry, 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 but I, but it's it is special. Yeah. <laughs> like oh. yeah. Yep, and uh, we'll just put this little napkin around Jack and here's <laughs> yeah. a plastic spoon. and uh, yeah. yeah, but it's funny, like I can understand the people who have, you know, believed in something for a long time and then it does get a level of popularity and it does become a level of trend and I can understand the frustration with that. But also at the same time, the result is a win. Yeah. And so... You can be a little bit annoyed when someone who's just, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a vegan. How long have you been a vegan? It's been an hour. But it's, <laughs> you know, in the long run, it's a good thing. And, and also what you were saying about uh, advertising and awareness and all that kind of stuff, it's – a good mate of mine had a really funny – in the late 90s, a really, really funny drink-driving routine. Really funny. <laughs> and then early – Go on. And then, right. But early 2000 – it just stopped working. And yeah. that was because there'd been all this advertising uh, talking about, you know, really yeah. pushing how bad drink driving is. Yeah. And that's how it works. You know, it just seeps into the society in a way that everyone doesn't quite realise. <laughs> Do then... you think the majority of the people saying you can't say anything anymore are actually just comics who have like pe- like bits that don't work anymore? <laughs> oh, like I reckon a high percentage <laughs> A high percentage. And then they get up and they give it, oh, you guys can't cope with it. I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, doing a gig recently where an act was dropping, you know, uh, it's so hard to say, derogatory homosexual terms that begin with F. And, right, sure. Uh, derogatory terms for disabled people that begin with R and all that wow, kind of yeah, stuff. Okay. And then was sort of saying to the audience, you can't can't cope with the truth you know you can't cope with the truth you can't you you dig people up, dig up. you people are pussies you people are pussies and i'm up the back of the room and then and a whole lot of comics have been saying oh god this this gig is it's just too hard like these people they're just so uptight you can't do anything and then i went out as a headliner and i killed for 25 minutes and got two applause breaks because all that audience wanted was jokes 
Just give them jokes. Just they were there them, to laugh. Just, just don't like shit on everyone who's doing like who's having a rough time. Yeah. and maybe everyone will feel okay about you, what's going on on stage. You, you know, one of the fundamental principles of comedy is you you don't punch down. Yeah, you punch up. Yeah, and you're doing all of this stuff and then telling the audience, "Oh my god, you pussies can't cope with this language." And it's like they can cope. They're their lack of laughter means they're just not finding you funny and you're a comedian and that's your job. Yeah. Like you can you can make people think, you can you can do all of that stuff, but your fundamental job is to make people laugh. Yeah. And then every room is different and uh yeah. sometimes yeah, but I, I think yeah, there is there is like this there's this real tendency. It is fun to blame the audience though sometimes, isn't it? I my theory is that for the first 15 years of your career, you should never blame the audience yeah. and you should do every room that you can possibly do, every scenario. Yeah. And then 15 years and one day you're allowed to say, that room's fucked, not going back, <laughs> and that audience was awful and uh, I don't want to win them over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think there is – I think what you're actually getting at is – essentially change is hard and it's confronting especially if you've been thinking a certain way for a long time and people take it personally and we've all been in that situation where you take something personally what you have to do is overcome your own ego to go it's actually not having a go at you that's just what it used to be and it's not that anymore and you just you have to like Um, getting getting pronouns correct yeah i find really tricky yeah i find it really tricky but i'm I'm working at it. Yeah, and rather than throw your hands up and go, this is this is too hard and an unreasonable thing, go like, oh no, maybe I'll work on this. Yeah, it's. I'm actually working on an episode of um, the, the podcast I make for the ABC, The Signal, um, about, at the moment. Like so we usually do, like oh, you know, story of the day, unpack it, you know, try and reveal something new about it, that kind of thing. But every now and then we'll go off the beaten track and do something a little bit more issues based. And at the moment, because uh, I was catching up with a mate over New Year's. Um, and we were talking, cause it was, you know, it was right after Christmas. So everyone's just done, done the dash with their family. Um, and, and, you know, so often you show up at Christmas and usually along generational lines, there'll be these difficult political and or ideological splits. Yeah. And there are just these areas that are a mess. Like they're these icebergs in the conversation that you have to sort of steer around because if you don't and everyone's, you know, got four drinks in them, it's going to be like lunch is ruined. Yeah. No one's going to speak for the next day. You know, it's, it's, there are very few families in which there aren't those icebergs. And I was chatting to my friend Matt uh, at New Year's about this and he said, actually – I've been trying this new thing with my family because a couple of years back, my dad said something cooked and it was like, you know, it was like, it was something racial. It was something about Aboriginal people. Um, and he kind of works in, in, I think, uh, you know, so like he works in the community sector is a social worker, I think basically. Um, and, and he said, okay, rather than make this an iceberg that we're just going to steer around, I'm going to introduce this program where every year from now on we have to come and sort of bring, like, uh, explain essentially a value of ours, like come and sort of bring almost like this, like, PowerPoint workshop and and it's not with the aim of sort of going, okay, you're wrong and I'm right, but trying to – having to sort of think about why it is you think what you think 
and essentially justify that or explain that to other people in the family. Right. And it's this way of trying to, and, uh, you know, it's this way to try to bring his family closer and address these icebergs, like chip away at them with a pickaxe rather than just go, oh, we're going to like steer around or crash into them. Um, and so I'm doing this episode. There's another friend of mine. He nicked the idea off another friend of mine who is did it with like charities it's like okay we all have to like agree rather than doing gifts we're all going to spend uh the money that we would have spent on gifts on pulling it and giving it to a charity and we all have to make a presentation every christmas as to which charity we think it should go to and that functioned as like a proxy for what your values are and what what you believe in right Um, and also more interesting than charades in the end so much more interesting than charades and so maybe they could combine the two we're going to do charades and whoever can guess what it is that's what we'll give the charity to yeah yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) i think that might be more fun um no but they've they've ended up uh uh, agreeing, so she's going to speak to me, which was kind of a given. But her dad's agreed to speak to me, and oh. I got the text message uh, back from her confirming that the other day, uh, or yesterday actually. And it was, let me read it out to you. It was, um, oh man, it was so good. Edit this pause. No, nah, it's fine. I can um, actually add some. Uh, if you, if I remember, I'll add some smooth FM underneath. Smooth. Okay. Spoke to dad, quote, yeah, sure. Happy to talk about my previous homophobic and misogynistic ways and the learnings, etc." end quote. <laughs> this could be rogue from him, but he's okay with it. So I'm expecting some fireworks, but I think it's going to be, it's, but, it's, it's kind of the stuff, like, it, like literally everyone's kind of got that in their family, right? Like I remember mentioning uh, Whitlam once at a lunch and my dad having grown up in like pre, uh, pre-Robert Mugabe um, Zimbabwe and then, you know, sort of leaving around the time of Mugabe, um, you know, just has like a dead set against anything that looks, smells or tastes like socialism. And he got up when I mentioned Whitlam, must've been like 20 or something at the time. We were much further apart than we are now. He got up and left the lunch because he couldn't like, that's how big that iceberg was. Over Gough Whitlam. Yeah. Cause, Cause I mentioned Whitlam. Wow. Not even the first name, just the surname. Right. May have been the band. Could have been the band. <laughs> He probably still would have got up and walked out. <laughs> I'm headed up to here with Tim. Uh, yeah, isn't so? Isn't the point of so? Sometimes I think even with movements or people that I agree with, I, I feel like there's a dismissiveness of the past, which is counterproductive yes. as well. It, and it's it's important to have change, and it's but. And you can look back on things and decide that was not good, but you also have to kind of keep an idea of what the context was. And Totally. And you forget the everyday society, the way they just reacted to things and the little minutiae of things that we never saw in people's kitchens and discussions. And so you have to and take that into account. So if you can get someone on who can discuss that they thought this yeah. and now they think that, that is worthy to me that's a really good idea yeah 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 um but but because i think there's a difference well there's a real tendency i think um you know and we're straying dangerously close to a conversation about cancel culture here which i'd Mm. prefer to avoid but um you know this idea that if someone doesn't isn't as you know 
quote unquote enlightened as you on something that they are therefore a bad person like yeah. not allowing for any kind of increment in morality like yeah. going oh because because you think this uh, therefore you are invalid you do not count rather than going okay why is it that you think this how did you get here what are the underlying things that got you there and can we talk about those and if we can't you know, how do I still, you know, you're still my father or you're still my brother or whatever. How do I, um, you know, what are the things we have in common and how do I still love you? And, you know, where are the bottom lines here? Um, I've had to do a lot of that with my dad just because, you know, growing up in, you know, whatever it was, 1950s, 60s, 70s, Southern Africa, white Africa, so South Africa, Zimbabwe and Zambia, like he's just from a different fucking universe to me yeah and my mum has constantly reminded me of that it's like yeah you should have talked to him when i met him right (laughs) you know you know know what you should be doing you should be giving your mum props for the hard work she's done to get him to this point i give her major props yeah no (laughs) well so you know my theory with this is the kind of I don't quite know, this is going to be an umbrella uh, title for each side, but the, the conservative right, what it does is gets things done. That's their main goal. And the, uh, I guess, uh, progressive left is really good at asking questions. Mm. And what both could do is learn a lesson from each side and, you know, be somewhere in the middle. So the left will ask all these questions and they will push things from, uh, you know, just simple entertainment, things that we should do in entertainment to incredibly important social and political movements. But they will then tie themselves up in knots because it's like, well, I'm a feminist. Yeah, but you're not a feminist like me. The and then, famous, you know, yeah. and while they're fighting and amongst themselves over here, the right looks takes the language of the left, mm. which is what Trump did. Like, the, you know, the, he was saying essentially what some of uh, Bernie Sanders' stuff was on, yeah, on yeah. a fundamental level, which yeah. appealed to people out in places where they didn't have work the and they didn't have jobs. taken for granted. And, yeah. that, and had been left out of, you know, like suddenly they're online and they call someone a he and that's a she and then everyone attacks them for not knowing stuff and they push them in that direction. And do you know what I mean? It's yeah, such the, a it's it's such a tricky thing to to get right. There was this exchange on Twitter that I saw yesterday that I really enjoyed, which is so rare. Um, there's this wonderful uh, Indigenous writer named Nayuka Gori, um, and and they'd posted about you know I want to write an episode of Bluey, you know this kids yep. show, right? Yep. And um, and everyone, you know, like all left Twitter had like chimed in underneath going like, fuck yeah, hell yeah, yeah, queer it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, and someone had posted underneath being like, oh, yeah, you know, Bluey, it's real failing is like it's heteronormativity. Like, you know, I can't believe how heteronormative they are. And then Nayuka had posted underneath in reply being like, oh, I actually really like that they show a, a dad uh, being in a primary carer role and um, – and, you know, girls being more, young girls being more active, I think you need to relax a bit. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. That's like a rare, sensible moment on Twitter. Yeah, that's nice. Well, I, I feel like I've seen a, a little bit more of that stuff kind of going on in recent times. Also, like, this is, 
I am fundamentally against bullying, but I saw some bullying online that was inspired, and it was on the <laughs> ABC Instagram, where someone there was a thing I think it was about uh, Penny Wong, and someone ha- this guy had written something awful about Penny, mm. you know, under the guise of "Hey, just fucking give him my opinion," you know that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, shit, yeah. and then said typical ABC, look at the way it panders to the. Uh, Labor Party, Mm, mm, mm. but had spelt Panda, (laughs) P-A-N-D-A. And within seconds, people are just teeing off, like putting pictures of Kung Fu Panda and just pandas (laughs) rolling down. And just, it was really funny. And then he's come back on and he's like, where's the moderator? I'm being bullied. (laughs) And it's like, I don't think that's, you know, you could call it bullying, but I reckon that's just pointing out that you're a dickhead. And that's what I would consider... Nah, that's positive bullying. Like, yeah. if you're being pointed out to be a dickhead, what you should do from that is go, oh, yeah, nah, fair enough. Yeah, nah, fair enough. <laughs> like, but also the, the other thing is is that it, sometimes you just don't have to share your opinion. Like, sometimes you can just sit back and even if your first reaction to something is, fuck, what was that? Just sit back and listen. Yeah. And you don't you don't have to be a part of every conversation. Yeah. So there's two people with microphones making a podcast. Well, yeah, <laughs> but just you like, know opinions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, but totally, totally. But, yeah. But I'm also at the same time not making anyone listen to this. No, true. You know, if I you, I mean imagine that, if you were. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> yeah, imagine in, like in five years' time, you're talking to people going, you know what, when I first did the podcast, he was really nice. And now he runs this country and he's forcing us to listen. He's running driving law. down he's the streets, <laughs> you know, there's big speakers everywhere. I've he's got more opinions. Laws. Yeah. Here's some more yacht rock. <laughs> <laughs> um Hey, I've uh, I've kept you uh for a while and I know you've got stuff to do and I'm Really wrapped to tell you, we are still recording. That's fantastic. Feels news. like a win, and we did not get to like the. So for everyone listening, the funny thing was we were going to talk about your show that you did, and we mm. were going to talk about tarot. Mm. And oh yeah, and we were going, and w- we were just on the way to the tarot in our aborted recording. Yeah. So uh, I'd love to have you back if that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's put a pin in this and do tarot next time. Is, is there also, anything that we missed that we should? Yeah, pro- just to rip through the rest of the list, I wanted to talk about fertilizer. Oh, that was such a good story. I wanted to talk about fertilizer. I wanted to talk about spiders. I've been having a lot of run-ins with spiders lately. Okay. Um, there have been seven in my car in the last month. Oh, so um, and then I also wanted to talk about um, being sober and nicotine-free for a month recently. But well, let's maybe that's let's just tease that for next time. Yeah. Okay. I have some firm views on spiders because you know, as someone, they're a polarizing species. Well, you know, I have to be honest. When I was younger, I would be considered a, a spider racist, and yeah. uh, now I really do my best if I come across them not to be scared and. It's hard kill when them. they're in your car. Jesus, like that's why Seven. I don't drive. Well, because I'm like. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm a bit – I have a superstitious streak that I fight against and, like, I – because I kind of, you know, uh, you know, dabble in some um, witchy bullshit, uh, tarot being the least of it, but firmly, you know, say that – I would say that I am not into magical thinking and I just enjoy the theatre of it and I really enjoy, you know, the way that it kind of brings things out of people. It's kind of a psychological exercise and, like, yeah. a mirror for us to talk about whatever it is we really want to talk about. Yeah. And yet – Seven spiders in one's car in the space of two weeks does, does kind of bring one to the conclusion that one has been cursed. 
Oh, yeah, I also want to talk about curses. I've got four curses in my freezer at the moment. Oh, so so that's funny. I've only ever – I heard that that was a – so do you have someone's name in yeah, your yeah. freezer? yeah. So you get it. I've heard of this. Really? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, it's a, so my my best friend's um, gran actually is she Italian? Uh, I don't think so. No. Oh, I always thought it was an Italian. It could have thing. could have had that origin. Right. Um. So she's so she uh, has introduced this idea, and and I've really taken it on. Uh. And it's where you put a name, you write down the name, uh, with intent on a little bit of paper, and then you pop it in a jar, and then you put a fresh chili in there, and then you close the jar, and then you pop it in the freezer. Right. And you've got four going. I've four going. Far. So four people have yeah. wronged you. Yeah. Well, two I've cursed two of the curses are on um the behalf of some dear friends. Oh, you're and, and you're a conduit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't even charge. Right. Yeah, and two of them are for me. Wow. Yeah. All right. Do you want should we come back to this later or do you want to do you want to go down the curse path? Hang on a sec. What's the time? Let me. It's what time do you have to be at work? It's ten fifty-one. I got to bounce in like twenty minutes. I reckon. Okay. Why don't we do? What do you want to do? Do you want to do? Let's do the curse and then come. Or let's do curses this time. Tarot yeah. next time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Okay. Strap so- yourselves in, kids, <laughs> and and do not write to me and say you didn't enjoy this part of the podcast because you're about to find out and could fuck you up. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but then also once you're like alive to the idea that there are curses, you're like, shit. Who have I? Who have I wronged? Oh, yeah. Could I be cursed? Like that suddenly explains 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the other thing, I mean, I was reading tarot, you know, to, I really got into tarot at the end of 2019. And then there's one bad card in the tarot. Like most of them, you know, you can read what you want. But um, there's one that's just like indisputably bad and it's the tower. It's like, oh. and, it, and it's this... Um, uh, you know, this tower that's just been struck by lightning and it's yep. on fire and there's a man and a woman sort of falling, you know, yep. they're mid-fall coming out. It's just like, it's just a bad scene. You just look at it and you go, I don't want it. I don't want this. That is, there, there's only a few of the tarot that when you mention it, I know exactly the yeah. one that you're talking about and the tower is You one know of the them. tower. Yeah. I was pulling the tower and everyone I was reading for was pulling the tower like every other time. It was just yeah. Tower City. Uh and I'm not saying that I caused the pandemic. Right. But I might have... Helped push it along. I might have given it a little nudge. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, not superstitious, but it's hard not to be superstitious is, I guess, the moral but the, of the, that story. But the tarot... So, things are so interconnected in ways that we don't really understand and magical thinking could also be advanced scientific thinking. Like, that's the Arthur right. C. Clarke... Quote, that right, if aliens right, right, right. appeared, their technology would be so advanced to us, it would appear to be magic. Yeah, or, you know, uh, in the words of a famous band who's escaping my uh, uh, memory right now, but, you know, fucking magnets, how do they work? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, there's... Oh, insane clown posse, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they work. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you got into uh, tarot, so was tarot reading your way into... Uh, get you to the place where you could start cursing people? Or? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah I would say it was kind of like you know the the wedge in the door. Yeah. Uh, for 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 theatrical faux magical thinking. Yeah. For, for me, um, and and then you know because it once and then once you kind of I, I was flicking through a book that I got off uh, Rough Trade Sydney uh, the other last night, which was about 
magic herbs, like I've, you know, and how to deploy herbs in your life. And, yeah. you know, I, it, it, you're nodding really sagely and oh. like, it, and it, it, uh, so to speak. Um, but I, you know, like I am, it, it's so odd that I've ended up in this situation because I grew up going to folk festivals and have spent my whole life deriding people with, you know, for magical thinking yeah. and would say that I still do, but, but, you know, really do engage in like, I just, I just love the idea. Like yeah. I just, I just love it so much. I, I, um, I, the reason I'm nodding is yeah, yeah. I feel exactly the same way as you. Yeah. And has Ben Earl would ever talk to you about the author, comic book writer Grant Morrison? No. So Grant Morrison He's is, talked to me about most things. Yeah, I, 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 I am, you know, colour me shocked that Grant <laughs> Morrison has not come up. But uh, Grant Morrison is known for, you know, delving into magic and using uh, glyphs, you know, creating yeah, things sure. and magically charging them. And he had... Uh, a comic in the 90s called The Invisibles, which was all about the occult and secret yeah, things, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But the first uh, maybe 10 issues kind of sold okay, but not that well compared to what he'd experienced in the past. And so to get it going, he created this glyph that we uh, that people would have to imagine and then he encouraged people on a certain day to all wank and when they came <laughs> to think of that glyph and that would charge charger and the sales would improve yeah and you know what happened that that worked it fucking worked but maybe yeah. it worked because everyone was saying have you heard about grant morrison asking us to wank <laughs> over this comic but he doesn't discount that like he like yeah, if that's yeah. if that's yeah. how the magic works if that's how it works that's how, that's it, how works. it worked yeah well i mean you know a tarot is really just giving advice to people i i, I kind of it, it, also like you know as someone who uh, you know, as we say, the theatrics, I quite enjoy it. It's happened a number of times where you'd like, you do a reading, for, you bring the, I was bringing the tarot everywhere with me for a while and I would do a reading for someone at the pub and then I'd look up and there'd be a queue of like five people behind the person in front of me all waiting to be read and these are strangers and you kind of like, as, you, as you're shuffling and chatting to them, you get, you know, you get a sense of what they want to talk about. You're like, what's a burning question for you? What, it, what is it that's been on your mind? Um, and so you can kind of get a bit of a sense for where they are about something. It's just reading someone, right? Yeah. And then you pull the cards and you ask them questions as you're going about like, well, what is this? So this is what this card means. Does that resonate with you? What does that mean to you? And they'd say, oh, yeah, that seems to relate to blah. And I'd be like, and so you're helping tie meaning, like you're both tying meaning to, you know, the specific yeah. card and the relationship between them all. It's, but, it's, it's more theatrical therapy. It's theatrical therapy. And so you're kind of, you're giving like soft advice to people and, you know, occasionally you cross a line. Like I did uh, tell a colleague of mine once that his dog might be um, uh, very sick, turned out and then took him to the vet and he was. And I was like, oh, magic. Wow. I know the future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then sort of had to dial it back a bit. So it's very easy to be seduced by it, yeah. you know, in different ways. Uh, but yeah, where do we start? The curses. So, yes. so the curses have have kind of uh, you, you, you learned it from someone's mum. Yeah. So yeah. my best mate, my best mate Cookie, her grandma taught it to her, and she sort of mentions it to friends, and no one's quite taken it on with quite the ferocity of, that I have. I've really kind of got into it. But when I got into this new relationship, you know, uh, he he's a little he could be a little superstitious as well and so and I started spending all this time over at his house most you know the majority of the time so obviously I brought the curses over I moved the curses into his freezer because I wanted the curses near me obviously 
Anyway, so he was, you know, a little bit spooked by the whole thing. And after a while, I was like, you know, he came out and said it. I'm not really comfortable having the curses in the freezer. I want you to get rid of the curses. And we talked about it for a bit. And I sort of was like, you know, it's bullshit. And he's like, yeah, but I still don't want the curses in my freezer. I'm like, fine. Yeah, it's a bummer when I go to get my peas. Yeah, yeah. He's like, am I, am I, are my peas like a little bit cursed now? What? <laughs> I'm a vegan. You're taking away one of my food groups. Yeah, one of my major food groups. Peas is one of the three things I can eat. And, and so I was like, okay, all right, all right, all right. So I'll get rid of the curses. But I hadn't got instructions for how to get rid of the curses, so I sort of innovated. I'm like, I feel like I need to return these things to another form. Like they need to not only be separated into their elemental parts, but also re, uh, reconfigured, uh, you know, if, not atomically, but, uh, you know, formatically. And so, yeah. you know, you bury the chili. You burn the paper and you recycle the glass. Right. And that's the end. But after I did this, everyone who I had cursed became resurgent and more powerful in the lives of everyone who, who, you know, who'd asked me to curse someone. You know, like they started showing up again and throwing their weight around. You know, one of it was was for a friend of mine whose, you know, sister's, partner had, had you know they had an AVO out and he started showing up again he was like posting you know big homophobic rants about my friend on social media and you know and, and this other woman sort of reappeared in my friend's life and sort of started making complaints and it was like okay all right the curses are going back on yeah and so I, I recast all the curses and Jack was like yeah nah fair enough wow yeah that's you know the even if it's a coincidence like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. to have them come back yeah. Yeah. And, and also they And in they every seemed, case, as well, like in yeah. every single case, it wasn't like patchy. And also somehow recharged and like it sounds like they were more bullish as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like they'd had a lid on them. Yeah. And then they sort of sprung out like like jacks in the box. So when you, so when you hear the word curse, and yeah. I think because we were used to hearing it in relationship to you know, entertainment. And so a curse always seems to be, and you will be cursed for eternity. <laughs> yeah. But what, what, are the, what are the variations of the curses? Because I'm guessing it's not just, I want something bad to happen to you. It might be your curse to never be able to appear in our suburb or something. Or is, it, is that what it is? Or is it's, it broader? It's like, look, I suppose you could imbue the – it's about the sentiment with which you, you, with which you cast the curse. Yeah. But also I've kind of gone – I think part of going into the curses was like I, I actually don't know what's going to happen. Like is this just going to limit their influence over my life? Yeah. Or, you know, engaging for a moment in the hypothetical magical thinking that underpins the whole, you know, casting of curses. Yeah. Or – is this going to really harm the person? And there's a real chance that will happen. So you can't casually curse. They oh. have to be a really bad person. Yeah. It's not like you're not like cursing someone who's like annoyed you a little bit. You're not oh, cursing yeah. someone who's like, you know, swiped your, you know, your, the mirror, the side mirror on your car. Yeah, yeah. You're cursing someone who is like a real fuckhead. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to the 7 Eleven and the person who's serving you is quite clearly still on their earphones and you're going, curse! <laughs> Cursed! Yeah. You're like, if you, you know, because that makes you you cursable you're like you're cursed you want to be cursing uh with righteousness and so you're like you're you know you're like you have to be okay with it if this person uh, is but loses a leg right right (laughs) so when when was your first curse do you remember your first curse I, i i very much remember my first curse 
Um, and how old were you? Oh, well, I've been obsessed with witches for a long time. So I like, I actually got kicked off Bible camp once um, because I brought a, I brought a, this is in the show actually, I got kicked off Bible camp because I brought a book of spells and right. kind of corralled everyone who was in my dormitory. We were all like 11 or something, 10 or 11 years old sort of talked them into being in – I guess I didn't think of it as a coven at the time, but I suppose it was because uh, I was like, well, the magic will be stronger if we all do it together. It wasn't a curse. It was like – I think it was like a love spell. There was this guy right. who I had a crush on there and I was like, let's all – like I found this page of the book and it was like Magda's Spells and Charms for Good Witches. It was like from the back page of this catalogue that you'd get when you were at school and it was like, you know, buy buy you can know, buy a book and you fill out the catalogue yeah. or whatever. It was those things. And I got a – at a Christian school, mind you, and and I'd uh, got this this book of spells because I'd always loved witches, um, but I also happened to have a conversion experience around the same time, and so I was going on these Bible camps. Like at ten, I, I became like this fully fledged, you know, evan evangelist Christian, who, nice. and for everyone who I would meet, this is the this is the premise of the show, actually. Yeah. Um, everyone who I would meet for about you know a year or two after that, the first words out my mouth would be, you know. Hello, do you know our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? Wow. Which is not a way to make friends. Wow. Um, but it's what I did. Well, it, it definitely works in some circles. Well, yeah. But, no, but yeah. No, no circles that I know. <laughs> no, no. I didn't find very many. I tried it out on I tried it out on my Jewish netball coach. I tried it out on our drug dealer neighbour next door. Amazing. I tried it out on my whole school year. Uh, it was a pretty isolated couple of years, I guess, socially. Um, except, you know, I would go on Bible camp. Um, but but for me, there was no kind of dissonance in because uh, I, I guess you know believing in God is a kind of magical thinking, and so it didn't yeah. seem all that incompatible. Yeah. But they were from the school of Christianity. They were quite you know quite a conservative. It was like you know Anglican uh, theology, but more sort of in the uh, uh, the conservatism of the sort of Hillsong brand strand of Christianity for people who are you know for the initiated who yeah. are, they'll understand the difference. Um, and so it was very much. You know, yoga is um, a way for the devil to get in. Right. Like like witchcraft is real and it's the devil. Not like, you know, not this sort of, uh, you know, Presbyterian sort of let the refugees in, um, you know, come one, come all, gay people are fine kind of thing. It was like the evil was real, the devil was real, and the devil was lurking in a number of, uh, you know, un- places you wouldn't necessarily suspect anything that was magical thinking and and, uh, and spirituality that was not strictly Christianity. Even yeah. Catholics were going to hell. Yeah. This was the kind of thinking wow. that we had. It was it was intense. Right. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, I guess I was only halfway through that chapter uh, when I was sort of at, at that, you know, I was 10. I don't yeah. know. My theology was a little bit... Uh, you know, it was a little patchy. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and so I brought this Bible, this this thing along, and then they fa- they they found my um someone in the someone in my little makeshift coven dobbed me in, and so I got like sat- Judas. Yeah, Judas. I got sat down like crucible style. Like, are you a witch? And they kind of you know explained to me that I was um that I was you know tang- tangling with the devil, and I got yeah I got booted off Bible camp. Oh my god, was that terrifying? Um, I cried a lot. Okay, yeah, I was a because, pretty sensitive kid. Well, also, yeah, and also that's full on. <laughs> like to have yeah. grown ups saying that shit to you. Yeah, and yeah. you know, all you did was you know 
bring a bit of pagan into their lives. Yeah, I just wanted that guy to like me. Like, oh my lord. Yeah, so That's... it wasn't it wasn't so much my first curse, but it was my first you know, my first run in with magic. And did did that kind of push you out of that uh, uh, that religious group? Was that your moment of? stepping out of it or did you kind of try to stay for a little while oh, I definitely sort of stayed but like the doubts grew and grew and I think yeah. it was the hypocrisy in the church right you know that kind of it was like seeing all these people talk one way and decide you know be, be another way and this idea that they were they had the power of God vested in them yes I'm like really is this like you speak for God like really yeah that can't be right like you know checks notes no I don't think so um and you know I guess there are some inconsistencies in the Bible I think I just sort of (laughs) yeah I think I just sort of got to a point where it seemed but it's very painful unbelieving you know going through the the process of I desperately want to make a a podcast about people like leaving religion and, yeah. and then you know especially interested in the people who end up coming back um yeah. because that's that's super interesting because the pain of leaving particularly you know puberty is fucking hard enough oh there's so much going on and then to be told you know because the the doubt it's not a linear process right the doubt that you have creeps in and then you feel guilty about the doubt the whole time and then you sort of think you don't believe anymore but then you're like well th- then i you know that means i've I've betrayed God and I'm going to hell. And so you sort of like oscillate in this very painful way for a while. Yeah. At the same time as dealing with all your weird like horniness and hormones and like, oh gosh, I'd quite like to try drugs. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, yeah, yeah, sort of crashed out at some point. It does, uh, it, it seems like part of the tenets that are put in place in a very early stage are guilt and a squashing of curiosity. Yes, and there's this there's this kind of catch-all rule which um, which you, which uh, adherence of to faith can always fall back on, which is if something doesn't make sense, it's like, well, we're just idiots, we're just like little ants crawling around on the like ant hill that God made, so of course we don't understand, which is like a very frustrating and immovable, intransigent backstop yes. to reason. Yes, because it means that you you just like. Because they sort of – reason works insofar as they can talk you into it, but then reason doesn't – it's a one-directional force. Reason doesn't work in the other way because if you're questioning it, it's like, well, you don't know anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. a very interesting kind of double standard that, that locks people into faith for sometimes their entire lives. Oh, yeah. And the, the world – like everything's so interesting. Like everything yeah. is so interesting. Yeah. And I just watched uh, – rewatched David Attenborough's very first – you know, life on earth episode mm. from way back in the day. And it's, you know, go, and it starts off with single cells, you know, forming and then for uh, attaching to other single cells and mm. the, the building blocks of life. And mm. you, you go from that chemical uh, moment billions of years ago to us sitting here recording a podcast. How's that not fascinating? How that, how did that happen? Right. And why wouldn't you want to explore that? And, and if you want to believe, in a higher entity, well, believe in a higher entity, but also why not believe that as well? Why not have both? Yeah, yeah, porque no las dos. And, 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 you know, there are, there are certainly Christians who will have, you know, have a 
both ways, yes. you know, and um, and have found a way to sort of reconcile, um, you know, that that version that you the, of the world that you've just described with the kind of creationist model. Um, but you know, just more generally, that kind of like uh, uh, like a hard clampdown on dissent, which is um, built into the structure of of every religion you care to name yeah. um, is sort of, yeah, the, the enemy of reason. I, I never I'm sounding, found... it's very, it's turning very Hitchens here, isn't it? But no, that's, <laughs> <laughs> only if we then, uh, you know, really turn on everyone who doesn't agree <laughs> with us. But the, uh, uh, I, I never found Bible stories that interesting into, because the, the first time I ever came across them, people were telling me that that's what happened. And it was like, well, a uh, that's insane, and B they're not as interesting as the stories of the Norse gods and the Greek gods. So I'm going to go off in that direction. And <laughs> you were read looking for stuff. for narrative splendor. Yeah, what what is happening here? <laughs> and then uh, I I read a bit of uh, Do you know uh, John Shelby Spong? No, what what a name! Great name, and he he explained that uh, his belief. And he's, he's a religious man, but he also uh, believes in science as well. And he describes. Uh, uh, he explained the Bible as being uh, Jewish midrash. So <laughs> the, the the story of Lazarus mm-hmm. that that's a metaphor essentially. He was ostracized from the community, mm. and Jesus came and brought him back into the community. Mm. But that story's like as a story, like you know, we're comedians. You know what we're going to do? Jazz it up. Oh yeah, <laughs> brought him back to life. You know, but then but then the stories. As metaphors, they were suddenly a lot more interesting, I thought. Totally. And it's like, oh, well, let's have both. Yeah, let's have both. And also, I don't know, I think I went through, like when I crashed out of Christianity and was sort of like, you know, because you, you, when, you, when you come out of that, you like, you naturally, you, you, you end up with quite a lot of anger. It's like when you come out, when you have a breakup, you know, there's a period necessarily where you have, um, you have to have a level of resentment for the person um, who you've just loved as a process of uh, in aid of unloving them, yeah. you know, and then, you know, eventually you'll sort of reach some sort of equilibrium where you're like, oh, they, you know, they weren't actually pure evil. No. I just, you know, needed to feel that way for a bit in order to recover. Um, I've sort of had a similar process with Christianity where I've ended up, um, you know, you know, again, I feel like I talk my, about my dad a lot on this podcast, but... That's okay. Um, my, Nobody heard the first one because we uh, it's true. It's erased. True. So, uh, but my dad's still, you know, very much uh, man of man of faith, uh, yeah. and you you have to sort of learn to respect other people's. Like I, I don't. I used to disparage people of faith, and that was a part of like kind of recovering from it, being like. You know, being that sort of Hitchens kind of like you idiot, and you're this, yeah. you're ruining everything, and like, how do you possibly think that? And like, you know, making assumptions about people's capacity for reason and um, and innate goodness or innate intelligence, yeah. um, if they do hold that faith. And I've sort of had to, you know, come back to some sort of middle point where it's like, no, 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 that's like entirely valid. And um, and it's always a little bit disconcerting when you discover someone who is by orders of magnitude many times more intelligent than you. Um, and they have a faith which which they could defend with reason, um, and, and you and you could hardly argue, you know. So you sort of have to land on a res- you know in some sort of respectful place, which is less fun certainly. But uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's important to it makes Christmas lunch a lot easier. 
<laughs> and sometimes that's all you need, right? Yeah, that's you what you're need, there for. Just need to get through these meals and everything's going to be okay. Um, I, I know you've got to go to work, but I've loved this and I would love you to come back. And w- you, if you could write on your list as well, we had, a, we had a nice chat about Dolly Parton before as well. So Dolly Parton. Yeah. All right. Don't, don't leave out Dolly from our previous uh, coming down. Lost podcast. Yeah. Um, where can people find you uh, if they haven't uh, heard your work before and where can they find you on the socials? Well, uh, I'm on all the socials and it turns out there are no other Ange Lavoie Pierres in Australia. So I'm actually relatively easy to find. Uh, I make a daily news podcast for the ABC called The Signal. Uh, and if anyone lives in Adelaide or Newcastle, I've got, I'm doing Zealot, you know, inshallah, border closures um, pending. Yep. I'll be doing Zealot uh, in those places. Wait, wait, when are you doing those? Uh, so 2nd to 7th of March in Adelaide yep. and something, something in February in Newcastle. Is it towards the end of February? It is towards the end of February. Okay, well, I, yeah. will, uh, I will put this up. Uh, we're recording this on the 8th, so I'll put this up on the uh, 14th. So we Beautiful can, bit of admin we, at the end there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes I want people to understand how this is going. You're not always going to get things in a, in a linear way. I am a, a Nolan acolyte all the way through. So, But please come back and let's talk some more. Absolutely. Thank you to Ange and Ro for taking time to appear on the podcast. We'll get Ange back as soon as I can. I know she's really busy, so we'll try to find some time for her. She had <laughs> all that list of things that we were still going to talk about. So uh, as soon as I can make that happen, I will. And Rove will return next week to discuss episode six of WandaVision. This season, we're looking to expand our listenership, so if you'd like to write us a positive review online or refer this little podcast to your friends, that would be greatly appreciated. I'm still chasing my tail, but fingers crossed you'll be getting a second podcast later in the week and we'll finally start The Leftovers. I've rewatched the pilot. I've got everything written down. I know what I want to talk about. I've got to do it. Ah, this year, it's just... It's just not quite, nothing bad. It's just feel uh, a little bit out of control, but we'll get there. To finish off, I thought uh, I'd give you a quote from one of the kings of Yacht Rock. Uh, I thought I'd go to Christopher Cross, the singer-songwriter behind Ride Like the Wind, Sailing and Arthur's Theme. And uh, I got online and did a little bit of research and I saw the poor guys had an awful time with COVID. It... uh, he ended up, uh, of course, getting COVID and then it's really messed him up. And it was uh, a very sad thing to see, but he seems like he's pulling out of it. And and to be honest, I was like, I enjoyed the, the cheesy chat about Yacht Rock and then I saw what had happened to him and I thought, oh, no. <laughs> so uh, I, I went looking for a a quote and I found a great one. So this is something that uh, Christopher Cross has said. You got to fight for quality art and equality and all the things we're fighting for, the things we believe in, choice and preference and all those things that we support. We don't want to give up that fight. You got to keep doing it. Hopefully, uh, Mr. Cross will be feeling better soon. And if you're not across his music and you feel like lighting up a menthol cigarette and (laughs) pretending you're on a yacht, or maybe you own a yacht. Get out on that yacht. Uh, Put on some uh, 
put on some Ride Like the Wind. Got a little Michael McDonald flourish. It's a good way to go. All right. Until then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.